Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of When Life Happens. I'm joined today by the fabulous Donna Corbett. She's a licensed clinical social worker in New York City and psychoanalyst who I am thrilled for you guys to meet and who has volunteered for today's topic on losing a spouse while in practice. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Kelly. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. How long have you been in your private practice? I have been practicing exclusively without another job for 10 years and with a job for um, 20. Yeah. So um, it's been a while. I've been in Manhattan um, the whole time. And when I went exclusively private I opened a um uh an office in Rutherford which is where I live okay clear I'm from Manhattan okay let's make no mistake about that (laughs) New Yorkers you guys are so funny (laughs) (laughs) um, so uh it's funny I said I I never thought when they first got licensure in New Jersey, I said, I'm, I'm never going to work in New Jersey. I, mean, no, I don't think so. And then sure enough, here I am. So you've been in both locations for 10 years? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you yes. do that because you lived in New Jersey? Yes. And I found that um, it was a different kind of demographic here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than Midtown Manhattan um, that, that, uh, lot of teachers families you know um and uh i wanted to do that too and i wanted to expand so it you know new york is very difficult and dealing with managed care is very difficult Mm -hmm. so um are you on insurance panels i'm making my way off okay yes that's what i thought yeah yeah. So how old was your kiddo when you went into practice? My daughter was um, not born yet. Oh! <laughs> Actually, yeah. She was not, um, she was born like five years after. Oh, wow. When I was working, when I was working in an agency and in practice, she was born. Oh, wow. Um, and when I went full-time, she was, I guess, eight. So she's 18. Eight yes. She's 18. So I'm kind of sad that we're, you're here for this topic. (laughs) Yeah. And um, how long ago did your husband pass away? Billy died in January of 2017, which kind of freaks me out because I would have said last week. Yeah. It really was that, that immediate, that, that recent. Yeah. yeah. Um it was very it was very quick. Uh in uh Thanksgiving around Thanksgiving of two thousand and sixteen, he was at work. He worked for the um post office 
and um, in retrospect, he was becoming ill. Mm. Uh, but uh, you know, he was like forging ahead, and I don't know if it was denial or if it was him, you know, uh, keeping it all in or what. Um, but once once it became clear what what the situation was, it was just like boom, it happened. Um, and I don't know if I shared this with you, but actually, apropos of, of the recent um, holiday, the cause of his death um, was exposure to Agent Orange Ooh. in Vietnam. So um, that, uh, that's a bit tough to swallow. Yeah. I mean, um, we're one of the lucky ones, so to speak, in the sense that uh, it's one of the, he, he was died of lung cancer, so that's one of the diagnoses that they um, they don't dispute. Mm. But there's so many people that have yes. all kinds of other things that yeah. fight, fight, and fight. Um, I have an uncle who goes through that. He's had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma for yeah. long time and then some other random things that they don't quite understand <laughs> because of it so so his he got diagnosed with lung cancer around thanksgiving well you know it, the way that it happened it was so weird he was having other symptoms of um trying to remember what it was it was like it wasn't respiratory um he's having some urinary trouble mm -hmm. and they a cat scan and in of um, that part of his body and they caught the lower half of a tumor mm. so it was completely by chance that yes. they found it. and um, and then that started the whole uh, you know um, cycle of what do we do now you know what's the treatment is there treatment but at, by that point you know it really wasn't treatable you mm -hmm. know? um so actually when he died in january he'd only had two radiation treatments that's as far as it went mm. so that that was a difficult time you know um my daughter was graduating from uh high school mm -hmm. to get her situated and you know all that so it was, it was a lot it was, and and deal with my patients um, how did you do that? Well, you know, it's so, it's funny. Some of them, I, I had to deal with loss very on, very early in my life. My mom died when I was, um, 14. So I had this, um, for better or worse, kind of like forge ahead, do what you have to do kind of, um, ability and with my patients I, I compartmentalize that's all I can say you know it uh it it's some of them knew because at the time I had um someone answering the phone for me and they and some of my patients would be more persist persistence about asking and it came down to like what day of the week they came those were the ones that knew because I tended to be out more on certain days kind of thing. Um, it was, uh, 
it was uncomfortable for me when they knew I, I felt the intrusion of that. Mm-hmm. And then what was really, it was, I don't even, I think about this a lot and I'm not quite sure what to make of it, but I have a guy I've been seeing for quite a while whose mom died the very first of uh, the very same day. Um, mm-hmm. Billy did, you know, um, and it, it was just, and it was, it was not expected kind of thing. So he was the only person that I actually told myself, you know, mm. some guest, you know, something's going on. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, for the most part, I didn't say, yes, this is going on because it felt too big to bring into the room in a certain way for some people. Yeah. You know, how much time did you take off? Um, you know, it was, it was, it wasn't like I was out for, uh, two, three weeks because truthfully going to work kept me sane. Yeah. I hear it a lot that that's some sort of like, there's a respite and, and helping our clients like Mm -hmm. just like to be pulled out of our own pain um, Mm -hmm. for a moment, like have it suspended, so to speak. Yes. So that's your experience too. Absolutely. And also like the, the day to day normal structure. um, Cause everything around me was, you know, just like kind of falling apart. Um, so it was, it was one thing that just felt like, oh, this is, this is my, my old life, Mm. you know, and, and it did help me, um, remove myself from, to a certain degree from what was going on. Did you have to change your schedule or did you just kind of keep everything as best you could similar? But I did, well, the good part um being in jersey is that my home was um three minutes away mm-hmm. so i because i would worry about him he, he started to have difficulty walking i worried all the time about him falling yeah you know, things of that nature um so i could be there i could go and check on him so that that was a great thing you know to have that i could go to jamie's school and show up for swim match but that's my daughter uh mm-hmm swimming matches and, and things all that she was doing. So, um, and I was only in New York like two days um, a week. So it felt, it felt good to be, you know, close to home, you know, so. And then I could take him to his appointments as much as I could when, when he wasn't in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So. And, and, as he neared the end of his life, were you, did you take time off or how did that, the goodbye work? I did, um, he didn't want me around. Yeah. He was taking care of you. Yeah. (laughs) He's trying to protect you. Yeah, he was a Marine right down to the end, you know, like. Oh, really? Yeah, mm. I do this. He had, <laughs> he, I have to laugh. When Jamie was a little girl, he would have her 
uh, take a shower um, to the uh, amount of time that it took to sing the Marine Corps hymn. <laughs> they taught him in boot camp. That's hilarious. I love that. I know. It was very much a part of like their relationship and, you know, uh -huh. and also his experience, although he didn't talk about it specifically, you know, he would mention it from time to time and uh, usually um, trying to make light of it in some way. Because uh, I know he was burdened by it. Jamie and I would say, oh, no, not another jungle story. <laughs> but um, but in answer to your question, he, he um, it was very difficult for him to ask for help. And towards the end, he needed a lot of help. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad I was able to provide that uh, for as much as I could. He connected with an old friend who just showed up mm. and you know, asked, and that was a wonderful thing. Um, so it's not like I, I, you know, I sat with him. He and our beagle would sit, you know, together all day. And that was, you know, that was a good thing too. It's funny how these, you get what you need. And yeah. You know, uh-huh. Really how has it been for you? I mean, Jamie's older, right? But still helping your child navigate through the loss of her father while you're still helping all these other people. How has that been? She is, she's so stoic um, that um, sometimes I wish she would talk more. And every once in a while, you know, I, I know she, fe she feels the loss because uh, they did a lot of things together. And I know she misses him a lot. I, you know, all I can do is be there. And recently, just recently, we've started sharing like extended family stories. Hmm. You know, like about um, like my family, my extended family. Hmm. Um, people, because she hasn't met a lot of these people, because quite honestly, a lot of them aren't around. Billy, for me, was um, pretty much, except for one cousin, that was it for my family. They've all passed, which is mm -hmm. kind of weird. Mm. A little like Mary sometimes. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with that. Um, uh, but, you know, so we've started talking more, which is good. She's kind of past a level of maturity, I think. Mm -hmm you know, mm -hmm. so, but it, you know, it's hard when she got a driver's license. Oh my God. I never thought that was going to happen. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> I thought, you know, maybe she'll get it on the second try, maybe the third, you know, she got it right away. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> you, know, you know, she was, you know, on her way and all of a sudden like I didn't have to take her any place anymore and I was like like what's my job <laughs> you know um like she's really growing up so I mean for you it's even that sense of restructuring what your family like it's shrunk even more to just you and Jamie and yeah because there's been so much loss yeah uh -huh. yeah yeah it, it really um 
it is that very much so yeah and do you mind me asking about like in terms of like the financial piece of moving from having a partner who's working and all these things to now it's just you well that um this isn't he always he has um this was his second marriage and he has uh two sons one of whom has pretty severe um developmental disabilities which we always believe was also a result of agent orange and so um even though he was beyond um child support age well beyond mm. um uh billy always had that responsibility so i took care of our family a lot uh -huh. uh, in a, to him but so that burden wasn't too much um i mean it wasn't too much of a change in that i see plus we did get um the federal government is giving me disability for his yeah you know died uh, um as a result of this but i have to tell you what i've been dealing with lately and this is making me a little crazy the um the hospital where he died it's a very good hospital they took excellent care of him i have to say um but uh they're suing me for six thousand dollars of uh a bill that he had for uh -huh. yeah okay. yeah and it, it's a double whammy because first of all um they could have billed medicare because he had it um but no one ever asked me um and New Jersey's so crazy. If he had gone into uh, a hospital for liposuction or something like that, some uh, non-life-threatening yeah. um, procedure, and he died from that, I wouldn't be responsible. But because, because he, it was a life-threatening procedure, I'm responsible for that. And that's the only bill. Like, no credit cards that he took out anything am i responsible for it's crazy so i've been um dealing with that with lawyers that are like um unpleasant and mm -hmm. and i you know i i look at facebook groups and i see people talk about you know if you go into collections with people that don't pay you and I think I could buy a house with what I haven't been paid over the course of my 20, you know, mm -hmm. um, that is my fault, but you know, it made me think, you know, um, I don't want to be the person that's going to, you know, do what they're doing to me, but I also, um, I want to be the person that meets that my responsibility and I want to expect that of others as well. Mm -hmm. it's just changed my thinking about like mm. i you know i have a right to be paid as well you mm -hmm. know i'd be fearful of saying you know you owe me this you know yeah and and i and i don't mean it like in a retali retaliatory way like no i think now that you know what retaliation truly feels like then it's also like wait a second because sometimes I think what happens is in when we set boundaries in our practice, it feels like we're being bullies 
or it feels like we're being really harsh, so we avoid it. But when you experience actual bullying and actual harshness, you realize, oh wait, no, I'm just, I'm just being yeah. clear about what I need and being kind about it. Hey, it's Kelly. Are you enjoying today's episode? There is so much more to starting your private practice. That's why we created Business School for Therapists. It's our lifetime access business building program created especially for you and all the future stages of practice that you are going to go through. If you're ready to join a community that supports you, that to have access to a massive library of private practice trainings covering everything from creating your vision to setting your fee to getting you legally covered and more, this is for you. Simply go to bit.ly slash therapist business school to get started. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can see how you have this now great I, a comparison of like who you really are. Cause I, I know you enough to know like what it's like to be with you and talk with you versus mm-hmm. what an attorney who's like, you know, jumping down your throat about a $6,000 bill, you know? Yeah. He You're not so said- bad. Are you Donna? <laughs> <laughs> this guy actually said to me, there's tons of sad stories. I'm like, and this just before the irony of it, just before Memorial Day, I'm like, I couldn't even speak. He was then he was like, hello, hello. I was I didn't even know what to say. Wow. But you know, life teaches you lessons, you know? Right. So I think too, like when you so you have this restructuring of the family, like the family unit now. There's also like a restructuring of finances in a sense. Um, And then you have these hurdles like closing up accounts and all like everything that you have to do when people die that you're also dealing with as well as your own grief, the grief of your child. Yeah. Yeah. It it really, it it is, it's a lot, you know, and sometimes I say, um, well, I should feel better, but I know enough to know I'm not going to feel better. I'm going to have days where I feel better and I laugh and I think I have, and I think, oh my God, because Jamie and I will say, what would daddy say about this? He'd be like, oh, are you kidding? <laughs> you know, things like that. And we laugh, but you know, it's, it's not going to go away, you know? And I've all my life thought, Betty White, she, she said this about, you know, she was married to Alan Ludden for so many years and then he died a long time ago and she never remarried him. Um, she said she never feared death because her idea was that um, now they know the secret. Like what, and I've always thought that. Now I have too, I've always said that. I'm like, as soon as you figure it out, you're, it's gone, you're gone. <laughs> Now they know what happens afterwards, you know, and I, and I was like, that, to me, that's comforting, you know, to know, like, yeah. that, that there's something, and I, I, you know, I truly believe that, you know, so get you through the day. What do you think you're glad for in terms of having a private practice and going through this? That I had the flexibility and the, um, the, uh, I, I could make my own call about when I could be there and what I could do and what I couldn't do. 
um, that I couldn't do a, a job was of primary importance. And I am, um, and I am eternally grateful for, to my husband for leaving me and my daughter with health insurance. God bless him. He did. Mm. So that's huge. That's mm-hmm. huge. Thing that I don't have to think about because that, that, you know, that was always a worry. I mean, it's a wor- such a worry for all of us, you know? Mm-hmm. We're going through that now as my husband yeah. loses his job. Like, okay, a mortgage payment for health insurance. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For minimal coverage. It's just, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so, um, is there anything you would say that you fear because you're in private practice having gone through this? Lately, I fear, I don't know if fear is the word, fear, or, worry, mm-hmm. that, that um, when I have a bad day and I just feel like, oh, I just can't, you know, I worry if, if I'll have too many of those in a row, you know, and I, and I won't, you know, one day, I, you know, I won't, um, the phone will stop ringing, you know, because I'm not Johnny on the spot returning phone calls or something like that. Like mm-hmm. I worry um, about, um, about that. I mean, it's not like I think of the future, you know, like of being homeless or, or mm-hmm. but, you know, it's kind of, it's daunting, like, even though I'm the age that I am, it's like, wow, this is all on me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I want, yeah. And how does that impact like how you do practice knowing it's all on you? Like, does that change your approach or your feelings about being in private practice? It, it has made me realize that I cannot, I cannot, um, how do I put this? I cannot perhaps let things go in the same way uh, that I might have before because I want to avoid a difficult conversation with my patients around finances or missed appointments or whatever. I mean, it's I have to take it really, really serious and seriously. And I've, I, I've raised fees um, and um, I didn't do it um, as what's the word, uh, not delicately, as gracefully as mm. I, know. um, I don't think gr- grief is very graceful, <laughs> so I don't think, right, it makes things messier, makes things messier, yeah, um, you know, so things like that, I really, I, I, I really get that, you know, this is not, um, I mean, it's never been, it's never been, um, a, uh, a hobby. It's always been my work and how I yes. pay mortgage, but it takes on a, a whole new, um, yeah. level of, uh, responsibility when it's, you know, you've got no one to turn to. Yeah. I think that there's this thing of, you know, when I started my practice, it's not that I felt like, oh, my husband's income is my safety net. I never treated it like a hobby, you know, and I'm, I'm like, this is going to work. But even now as he's lost his job, and even though I said I wanted to work him out of a job and we will be fine, 
it just is like, I didn't mean it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's sort of this feeling of like, <gasps> and I don't know if it's just all mythological, you know, like based on these myths in my head about what it all means, but it truly is. I can imagine for you, like there really is no other person. And now it's, it's causing you to look inward a little bit more about, you know, what do I have, what did I have the luxury to avoid before that I couldn't or not deal mm -hmm. with that maybe I do need to just to better take care of myself and the longevity of the practice as well. Well, that the thing that I truthfully, as, as we speak about this, and I knew this, but I guess I, I, it went to my unconscious because it's difficult to talk about. I, I worry a lot about Jamie. Like, I do not want this, I'll call her a child, this young adult, she's my child. Yeah. to be in any way burdened like when I'm not here like I you know yeah that's the thing that really yeah what can upset me right you know because while it is Scared. you and you alone you have her still to think about yeah yeah I, I have no issue with like I, I will I will see patients until I keel over and if I have no patients I'll waitress I don't care I'll bartend. I don't care. I'll do what I need to do, but I just need to know that she'll be all right. You know, and that's, that's the kind of thing that worries me. Like, um, as far as also taking care of myself. Um, you How know, are you taking care of yourself? Um, uh, better. I'm, I'm not great at it. <laughs> I'm, I, I do go to the doctor, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, help things that I'm, I'm dealing with. That was a little scary, but it looks like it's going to be all right, you know? And, mm -hmm. uh, um, so yeah, I'm really, um, yeah, that's what worries me the most. Wanting to be around for her as long as you can be as well. I imagine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So if someone is facing this or just recently went through a loss of a spouse, what do you want them to know? Oh boy. Wow. I'm not going to say it'll get, it'll get different. There you <laughs> go. I like that. It'll get different. And, um, one day at a time, they'll get through it somehow, and uh, and allow yourself to cry like whenever. I mean, I cry at the most random times. Mm -hmm. You know, usually it's um, like when I'm finished the day and I'm on my way home. That's the hardest time of day, you know. Um, I've noticed. It's like reentry. I guess, yeah. You know. Um, and um, I, I think the one thing I want to say to people too is it, in this position is, um, you know, you don't have to be polite and listen to all the stuff that people tell you in the service of, of trying to make you feel good. Like, you know, it was for the best. And I, you know, I, I, I understand like where that's coming from, but it's, it's sometimes it's really hard to hear. I remember when I was a kid, the nuns would say to me, 
it's God's will. Well, this really screwed me up. <laughs> like, I didn't know what to make of that. Right. Yeah. That I had Jill Johnson Young on um, talking about grief because she's lost um, two spouses. Um, she wasn't totally fully just in pra practice when it happened, but she's like a grief expert hospice social worker you know kind of thing and we were just talking about all the things people say that aren't helpful in the name of being helpful you know and and I I appreciate that advice that you're giving too of like giving yourself permission to not listen to it you know <laughs> what I say to people now is there's no words yeah there aren't but I believe like I can't say anything to you it's going to take away your pain. How does that change you in the room, you think? Um, or has it? Or maybe it hasn't. I don't know. Just wondering. Um, I, th I, I have felt that, and I think I've said a similar, because um, in addition to the, um, to the guy who lost his mom, there was a, a, another patient of mine whose mom died um, about a month or so later. Um, and it was kind of like, it, it was this weird kind of, um, telepathy. She knew something was got going on with me. And I mean, it, it was a connection without words. It, it was, that's the psychic third right there. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a beautiful healing thing for both of us, you know? those moments are like damn this is why i do this this yeah. is really you know this is wow this is so important for me for them right and i think that that's just a beautiful example of how our own pain can make the work even more oh yeah rich absolutely which is unique in our profession i don't know if um Maybe attorneys go through that. Clearly not the one after the bill, but I think <laughs> I don't I think it's a that's kind of something I would like to think is very special and unique about the work of a therapist. I, yeah, yeah, I think that that's true. Cuz I mean it's a unique kind of person that chooses to do this sure kind of work and it it seems to me I know in my experience it wasn't something that came as a result of uh, you know, losses that I had. This is something I kind of knew that I wanted to do for whatever reason early on. Mm -hmm. My experience is just cemented. Like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to go mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, but it is nice to like put your head on the pillow at night and say, damn, I helped someone today. I comforted someone today. Not like I tried to strong arm someone out of 6,000 bucks for what? <laughs> you know, how's that going to help? Like, yeah. you need a new pool, dude, or what? <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. So there's more of a sense of, like, pride and ownership of what you're creating. And I think some of the silver lining to all the pain, you know, of, like, having those shared telepathic experiences, so to speak. Yep. Yep. So what do you think 
shifted for your vision for the future now with your business? Um, I've realized that um, I've been working um, for about the last, I guess, three and a half, three years with um, people uh, in my office, associates working under me. And I've decided that um, I want to do less of that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and want to see, uh, want to do things on my own, whatever that's going to, to entail, hmm. you know, um, and a big part of it is getting, uh, breaking free of, of managed care. Mm -hmm. Um, Managed care for me was never a choice because when I started practicing, um, uh, like in '95, you could not work. That was a, it. Was a different scene. <laughs> yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's once you're in, it's like yeah. it's very hard to um, um, get out. But I've I've made steps, and that feels very empowering. So. Yeah. Know, making things feeling like I can make choices to do what I want to do and make my practice look like what I want it to look like yeah see people all around me doing all kinds of stuff like what you guys do what all kinds of, you know all these people you know yeah. um and say what the heck I'm here I might as well yeah I think in some ways it's like the grief allows for the pivot or pushes the pivot to happen sometimes you know yeah um, time feels more fragile or there is no room for tolerating you know things that don't work anymore right and also worrying about things that are less than important important like you know oh i shouldn't be visible or i should like stay in the background or you know like whatever let me just say it you know mm -hmm. I have an opinion too. I have some thoughts, you know, because mm -hmm. what the heck? Yeah. Well, Donna, thank you for coming on and sharing with me and everyone. Thank and you. I know tonight you can put your head on the pillow and know that you help someone when they hear this as well, because it's a very important topic. And while we don't wish it on anyone, we are all going to face losses yeah. of this yeah mm -hmm. yeah thank you kelly you, you touched my heart oh same here and i'm glad for people to know who you are and and meet you so Thanks. if you guys have questions post below if you're on the blog or send us an email if you're listening to the podcast and check out donna i'll put her um, website in there and if you need an analyst to reach out to and Manhattan <laughs> or New Jersey. Um. <laughs> She's your gal. She's really mm -hmm. great. So, all right. Until next time, guys. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.